Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And the I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome down to Champions! YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hammer that like and subscribe button as we review the action from this weekend's top fixtures all across Europe. In the house today, Nigel Rio Coker with water in hand and Michael LaHood. Boys, it's the first show of the year for me. Happy New Year to both of you. Happy New Year to everybody out there. It's good to be back. Great to be back, and a pleasure it is to have you back, Mr. Joy. We've missed you. We've missed your, uh, how would we describe him, Michael? In, in, enthusiasm. His in, I miss his intros. I miss his intros. It lights a fire under your ass every no, time. I don't miss that do. crap. I just miss the crap that comes out of his mouth. Let's get going. <laughs> you miss the debate. You miss the aggression. You miss yeah. the talent. Nigel Rio Coker. Michael Hood, good to see you, boys. It's great to be back. It's great to be back with all of you out there as well. Thank you so much for all the comments across our social media platforms to How to Champions, to all of our talent, included obviously the guys who are not here as well. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. I hope you had a great holiday season. Um, I certainly did, in case you couldn't tell by the four or five pounds <laughs> that I added during that break. But it is the first one of the year for me. It's great to be back with you boys. Let's get straight into it. Let's discuss some Serie A action, boys, because AC Milan and Roma just finished. Nigel, I'm coming to you first because uh, your boy Tammy Abraham scored an equalizing goal 93 minutes into the game. And uh, he did absolutely nothing for the remainder of that game. But he scored the all-important goal to make it 2-2. It was a cracking game. It was an interesting watch. Um, but at the end of the day, Milan kind of threw away the points. Boy, did he need that goal. Tammy definitely needed that goal. And it's a great confidence booster, especially in such a game of that magnitude. Games like that can be a, a real turning point for a striker that hasn't been as clinical as he was last year. Um, wasn't 
a great game by Roma, in my honest opinion. I think that is, for me, I think that should feel like three points for Roma because AC Milan threw that game away. They dominated the game, in my opinion, from start to finish. But again, the worrying thing with this AC Milan team is both goals conceded came from set pieces. Crosses coming into the box, unable to defend and clear the ball, and they conceded two goals from set pieces in a game that they completely dominated and weren't clinical enough as they should be. Giroud had a great chance with a header that he was frustrated with himself. Uh, Rafael Leal, for me, is just showing why he is one of the top players in European football. What a game he had today. And this Roma side, again, it, it's, it's the Jose Mourinho factor. Give credit to them. He does well in building teams with great character and personality where somehow, some way, as much as they get dominated in the football aspect of a game, don't really show anything. They somehow get a result, get a point, or maybe even get a win. So it, it's credit to how Jose Mourinho builds this winning mentality. But for me, that should feel like three points for Roma. And for AC Milan, that's three points thrown away with also Napoli winning today. Hmm. I agree with you, Nigel. I, I, this has shades of the last match they played against Salernitana, where they dominated. They dominated every facet. They were brilliant on the counter. Leal streaking down as he did for the assist to Pobega on the first or the second goal, excuse me. But if you don't put teams away at this point in the season, this is where the business ends. This is where the teams that want to be champions, they are clinical, they are ruthless. AC Milan, this is where they started to be clinical and ruthless this time last year. And there's question marks about their championship pedigree because you don't leave points on the table in a manner in which they did. Set pieces. Sandro Tanali, I'm coming after you this game. He's a brilliant footballer. He's been a man on fire in possession, assisting, but marking defensively. He was at fault on both goals for Roma. He went to sleep. It was like he was a, a, a traffic cone sitting there expecting someone else to pass responsibility on to one of his teammates. You do not do that. The three of us know when it's crunch time at the final whistle or towards the end of the game, you have to stand up, take responsibility, help, be held accountable. He did not do that, and it cost his team the three points. Yeah, as you both mentioned, then Milan missed the chance to go back second in the table. Juventus currently occupy that spot after their big, big win. And now it proves to be the massive win for Juventus. Puts them in a prime position to potentially push Napoli at some point if they can continue to not concede goals because defensively they've been solid. Milan again, as you mentioned, Michael, great point right there. Shooting himself in the foot here. I mean, two late goals in this game. Championship pedigree. If you're going to challenge for the title, if you're going to try and push Napoli in some way, you cannot afford to switch off. And Nigel pointed out greatly, set-piece situations is where you can't afford to switch off. I feel a little bit maybe hurt with the fact that it was deflected. You know, I get the fact that it was mismarking inside that penalty area, but the deflection kind of changes the aspect of the cross into the box. But again, Tammy Abraham, um, very happy for him to get that equalizing goal. Kalulu opened to score in 30 minutes into the game. Pobega, 76 minutes in, made it 2-0. Ibanez, 87 minutes on the clock, made it 2-1 and actually made this game very interesting because Tammy Abraham did equalize in the 93rd minute of this game. A couple of great comments coming in. One from Matt, he says, Roma are hard to watch. Milan, should have put that game to bed 
Great weekend for Napoli and Juve. Great to hear from you, Matt. Let's talk to Nafa. Rafa, he said Juve quietly been killing it lately. Eight straight wins. Imagine they went on to win Scudetto. Not that much reason to discuss Roma, be. AC Milan anymore. <laughs> Let's move on to that game right now. Um, we want to talk Monza into Milan in just a moment, but let's just jump straight ahead to Sampdoria and Napoli. Uh, talk about it, Nigel. Napoli get the job done. Awesome men and Elmas on the score sheet. Awesome men continues to score goals. Great start for you as well. Victor Asimen has become the second African player to score 10 plus goals in three different Serie A campaigns after the great George Weah with Milan. 95 question 697 and 97 you would never know i wouldn't own it big win though nigel big win massive win massive massive win in uh you went in the last part i think i was questioned about me giving the kiss of or me giving the michael the kiss of death the drake curse it's the drake curse but it wasn't me i said it was just a glitch in the matrix now there are no undefeated teams in europe in europe everyone's been defeated and for me, Napoli needed that loss to really give him a real kickstart. Sampdoria is not an easy team to come up against and go and get the result, and they grinded it out. That was a big, big win for, for Napoli, and it was a statement win in the sense where people were going to start questioning whether they're going to flutter under the pressure, whether they might crumble in the second half of the season. But when you've got a striker, like Osman, one of the top strikers in European football, yeah. Ian, and he's scoring goals, um, that's all you can ask for. Really is all you can ask for. It was another great win for, for Napoli in my personal belief convincing win yes Sampdoria went down to 10 men but Napoli were really a factor and they're just playing the same style of football we've seen them from the start of the season front foot attacking football when you play that style you are very difficult to handle regardless of opposition well in Syria if you're going to go win a, a title you do have to have a, a striker who is a man set apart Victor Osman is that guy he is he's got that dog in him as they say on social media he was the difference this game. His touches, his ability to roll off defenders. I, I look at the red card he even got off Thomas Rincon. He he won the ball. I mean, bodied his defender, the center back. Thomas Rincon comes, as defensive midfielders do sometimes, makes a rash challenge because he knows that Osiman is so direct. This guy's got one thing on his mind when he gets in the final third. It's score goals. And, and what's brilliant about him, he's got better feet than what he's given credit for. He can link up play. But he, he's just got this mentality where it's just savagery. When he wants to score, he is going straight to goal, and he doesn't care who in his, who's in his way. He will knock anyone out and get to goal. Also, big shout-out to Ilmaz. This guy is one of the unsung heroes of this Napoli team. With Cavada and the injury issues he had right before the World Cup break, you need some of your players off the bench to chip in with goals, and that usually results in championships. If they keep this up, Clearly, it's going to be a Serie A winners. finish on the penalty as well. Great, great penalty. Yeah, making it unsavable for the goalkeeper. I love how Michael LaHood just said their rash challenge. Many countries would call that assault right there for the red card. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't, they showed the replay about 10 times, awful. and every time it just got better and better every time. I just thought, wow. This guy's awesome, man. I went and followed him straight away on Instagram. Um, <laughs> real quickly, before we touch upon Juve against Udinese, Monza 2 into Milan 2. Darmian opened the scoring. Uh, Cuarra equalized one of them later. Lautaro Martinez scored his ninth goal across all competitions, his eighth in Serie A, to make it 2-1 to Inter Milan. And then in the late stages of the game, 
Inter gave up a goal. Monza celebrated in style. Michael Ahur, I mean, this is a big opportunity miss from Inter. Another three points gone. Monza celebration was absolutely class. I loved it. I loved the respect. Uh, obviously, when you score a late goal, even if it was an own goal, it's still points dropped from Inter and some core oh. performances in their ranks. Yeah, I, I, I look at just dis- disappointing when you come off the highs of the Napoli game where defensively for as good as they were offensively, Romelu Lukaku didn't start this game. You have Edin Dzeko who was decent. Latoura Martinez getting the goal, but after getting the goal, Martinez didn't do enough for me. I think Lukaku, I would have stuck with Lukaku. I know Lukaku is still trying to find form, but I, I think that bite and that confidence and that extra dimension and that physicality that he brings, I think that gives Inter that more believability that they could go on and, and just build off this Napoli win that they got the last match. What kicked them in the backside was once they got the early goal, they gave up a goal a minute later. And that can stifle your momentum. I think if they don't give up a goal a minute later, and when you give when you score, you are vulnerable to give up a goal after five minutes and with within that first five minutes, if you will. And if, if you get out of there unscathed, then I think it's a it's a classic intermatch where they roll in the second half and get the three points. Focus in the final minutes of the game, when you're Denzel Dumfries, who's the out and out starter for most of the season at right wing back, the position he takes up when that cross comes in, he's late to jump. And he's trying to depend on his athleticism, and he just gets it completely wrong, closes his eyes, and scores an awful own goal and deprives Inter of three massive points that could have seen them have bigger stake in this title race. Yeah, absolutely. Now we do have a title race, and one of the reasons why we have a title race is because Juventus got the job done against Udinese. Danilo scoring 86 minutes into the game here. The assist from Chiesa was magnificent by the way but it was a big goal for Juve Juventus now not conceded a goal in the last eight Serie A games Juventus moved up to second after that win obviously currently occupying that spot as you can see on the graphic now Um, Allegri ball is working Nigel Rio Coker it is tough to watch at times Juventus it really is I mean I watched the game I fell asleep a few times woke up when they scored and they got another three points without conceding a goal but that's the thing though Ian we've got this habit of as long as you're winning that's all that matters. And it's once the results start going the wrong way and you're not getting the results and you're losing, that's when all the questions come up about style of play and everything like that. But full credit to Juventus, how they've turned their season around has absolutely amazed me. And like you said, it's not great to watch, but the formula is working at the moment. If they can compete and really push Napoli and somehow come back to win the Scudetto, that is a tremendous achievement. That really is. With everything else that's going on at the club, with all the outside situation and the financial mismanagement, if they win the Scudetto, that is, is truly amazing. Yes, they've got top players, but they have been missing a lot of their top signings players. They can't know Nigel, in. can they? They can't win the Scudetto. Ah. Not playing this way. There's no way they can win Scudetto like this. Surely, man. Crazy Come things on. have happened in football, Ian. And once, once Lady Luck is on your side and momentum's Ooh. on your side, anything is possible. Because the mindset in the dressing room, as you know, can change instantly. Mm. If they get a run of results and somehow get into top place and overtake Napoli, the mindset in that dressing room changes. The belief in the players changes completely. And with the fact of Paul Pogba nearly coming back Mm. soon, these players you invested a lot of money in to be difference makers in this vital period of time, anything is possible. Well, that question is about to be answered shortly because they play Napoli next. That's a massive, massive game. And guess what? They play Napoli again towards the very end of the season. It's going to come down to those two matches, I think, to decide Serie A. And guess what, Ian? 
Michael wants Juventus to beat Napoli. <laughs> I just want to be able to have some banter with you, Nides, because obviously I have the Drake. Well, let me let me stop there because I have the Drake curse. So Juve, I'm rooting against yeah, you. Yeah, back, back, just back Juventus I, I, to win. Go I, I, back, I back Lazio, <laughs> and they haven't won a game since I backed them. Everyone I backed at the World Cup, except the USMNT, thank you very much, went sideways. So, you know, I'm intrigued by this Juventus team. I'm not backing anyone. I don't even support Man United while I'm at it to keep the curse away. But back to this game, I want to go and look at the lineup. The lineup of Juventus, the young players really carrying the load – with the injuries that they've had, when you look at this lineup, you have Weston McKinney playing right wing back. I like Weston McKinney at a club like Juventus at right wing back. It simplifies the game for him. Offensively, McKinney, one of his strengths is arriving in the box, making runs off the ball. When he gets in the final third, I think it simplifies it for him where now he can either whip a ball in on the ground or cut it back through a streaking midfielder. When you look at the midfield three, Moretti, class, uh, talented young, youngster, Adrian Rabio, class midfielder from the World Cup. Locatelli can hold it down. I mean, if you put Paul Pogba in there for Moretti, that's a proper midfield in Serie A. Angel Di Maria, he is the crowning jewel at that second striker position. When I looked at that starting 11, I thought to myself, okay, if this if this group can continue the momentum that they've built, that's a proper Serie A team that could go win a title within the next couple months. So I like what... Uh, Mike. Go on. Would you say that basically? I, 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 oh my God, I'm uh, Allegri. Allegri. Allegri, that's the one. Allegri saved. Thank you. Allegri <laughs> saved himself by putting his faith in the youth. It's the youth that really have turned around Juventus' season and fortune. I, I would 100% agree with that because when you have financial issues going on in the background of the club, and we talked about this for the weekend preview, what is the club going to do in terms of transfers, getting talent? Well, if you now no longer have to go abroad or outside of your club, you have talent in your backyard, in your system. Now you have depth in ways that you didn't know you had that before. Yes, you know you have Paul Pogba. You know you have Di Maria. You know you have Paredes. I mean, Paredes won a World Cup playing for Argentina. He does not even start for this Juventus team. That's a big credit to Allegri putting faith in his youngsters. And Paredes is a rotation player right now. I'm sure he'll probably start for the big run-in, but big credit to the manager for taking a big gamble on young players. There's still a, a number of players for Juventus that are underperforming, as far as I concerned. When I watched the weekend, Philip Kostic didn't really do enough. You know, I've watched him, obviously, all throughout his career from the Bundesliga all the way over there, and, and he's an impact player, but I didn't see enough from him. Moise Keane, another player that does a lot of running, does a lot of hard work, but like you're still waiting for that final product from this kid because you know he's got it. You know he's got some quality in his ranks. You want him to go on a scoring streak because if he does, Juventus could be the real deal and he could be a real striker as well. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think some of the youngsters who have stepped up and stepped into position have really grabbed their opportunity and it's not going to be easy for any team coming up against um, this class Juve side who are um, very difficult to score goals against. Juventus have now kept 12 clean sheets after the first 17 games in Serie A this term. And, and this is an incredible it's, statistic. They're difficult to score goals against Nigel. How important is that for a team? When you recognize you're on a run without conceding goals, I always used to feel like you could play anyone. No one's going to score goals look, against us. Ian, the crazy thing is every great team that wins titles and, and stuff, they don't concede goals. Championship winning teams always start with the foundation of being difficult to score goals against. And what Juventus are doing is absolutely scary. From what we saw them, like, like we said again, how they've turned their season around and the form that they're in, 
not conceding goals is one of their biggest attributes. And somehow, as boring, as difficult as they are to watch, like you said, Ian, but still getting results, that's a problem. That's a problem that all these teams are not going to want to face. And again, as some of these players are starting to come back now, these top-class players, in the right time to make that run of form, it's it's scary. And you've got to give credit to Juventus. You really do. And how much credit would you give to the manager, though, Ian? Really interesting now, obviously, because we were all pretty much calling for Allegri to be fired at some stage in this mm-hmm. season, especially when it came to the Champions League performances. Nowhere near good enough, and that's where their weak point has been. However, in Serie A, this campaign after that statistic right there tells you that they're a tough team to beat. Uh, Michael just pointed out that next week on Friday, it is, of course, Napoli against Juventus, first against second. You can watch it on live on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, real quickly, before we move on and just about head to break, um, Michael, a quick prediction from you and one from you, Nigel, on this one here, seeing as though Juve don't Ooh. concede goals. Ooh, for, for next week's match. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? I'm calling it. I think Juventus win that game. They have so much momentum behind them. I think it. I think 2-1 Juve. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get behind them, which actually means it's going to be 3-0 Napoli. So they, so they so do I concede a goal way. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, either, Nigel, I win either way. <laughs> I'm going to go for a 2-0 Napoli win. I just feel the power of positivity and playing on the front foot and uh, with Osman getting a goal makes a big difference. It's a different dynamic they're facing. This is probably the best attacking lineup in Serie A right now with what Napoli have. I'm going to see a 2-0 Napoli win. Yeah, in many ways, when you watch this Juventus side play, they're difficult to score goals against. They are a team that obviously can score a goal, a lot of late goals when it comes to it. Um, we will find out how good this Juventus team are, how good um, Allegri is when it comes to this game. First against second on Friday, watch it live on Paramount+. Plus. Before we head to break, the tributes have been pouring in all across the globe, but especially from Sampdoria, Juventus and Chelsea for uh, Gianluca Vialli, who sadly passed away at the age of 58 after a battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, I was fortunate enough to watch uh, Viali play. Nigel, I'm not sure if you played against him or you saw him play. Um, he's obviously a bit older than you, but I watched him play when he was captain of Juventus back in 1995 in person. And uh, wow, what a presence this guy was, not only on the field, off the field, and also um, as a coach in recent years around the Italian national team. You can see, Nigel, how well-loved Gianluca Vialli was across the footballing family. I think for me, Ian, the biggest thing I'm going to say is everyone that I've heard talk about Gianluca Vialli talks about what a great human being he is. Because I think sometimes we get so caught up in talking about the footballer, the footballer, the footballer. But not only when you are footballing, you get put in that limelight and the life that you live and, you know, the people that you meet. It's about the person that you are. And I think for me, I remember being a young kid and this was before the Premier League really started to dominate world football. It was all about Serie A. I remember the days of playing in the playground and calling John Luca Vialli's name or saying Del Piero or Batistuta. That's how much, or George Wave, and that's how much of a legend he was back in the day. This was Vialli. I remember when he came to Chelsea, and for me, it was one of the the, the most, how would I say it, fashionable, high-profile signing that I've saw in British football in a while, where this is John Luca Vialli that I used to watch in Serie A. And again, this was when Serie A was the most dominant league in European football, where all the superstars went to Serie A. And Vialli came to Chelsea. And I think for me, the impact he had at Chelsea, played with alongside like Chris Sutton and and uh, played with obviously Dennis Wise, who came through Wimbledon as well. He was, he's just an absolute legend. And what he meant to football um, is something that you cannot really put into words. And especially Italian football, 
Mm. and how it resonates around the world of just being a great human being and a great man. But for me, he was just one of the great legends of the game that we've been fortunate to to, to witness play this beautiful game of football. When I think of Viali, I think of Icon. And I like you, Ian, I remember watching him in that Champions League triumph, Juve's only Champions League triumph during that, what is it, 95 season. And of course, the, the bleach blonde hair. Um, but the style of play was something that caught my eye immediately. Just the audacity to do things. He was the emotional leader for Juventus. But prior to Juventus, I remember hearing about him even when I lived in Africa uh, during his time in Sampdoria. What he did with a club like Sampdoria to win a, a Serie A title is the stuff that legends are made of. And just winner. Winner on and off the field. You see it, his impact in the coaching ranks. You see it with everywhere he went and played in his career, he won things. And obviously the pinnacle of it, winning and helping Italy win the Euros last last time out, it's incredible. And it's it just the footballing world yet again has lost another icon, another legend, and just a sad day for Italian football. It's kind of strange, Nigel, that we are witnessing so many deaths recently, right? I mean, there have been some legends over the last maybe, what, three years recently who have just been going. And this is an incredibly young age, obviously, to lose someone again to cancer. Um, it's been really unfortunate, but we have lost some of the greats, if not the greatest ever, obviously, with Pele and Maradona recently going as well. Um, but it seems to be unfortunate that we're continuously losing some great human beings as well, not just footballers, as you mentioned. These are great human beings that we're missing. Yeah. No, for sure. It definitely has been. I think for me, and the only thing I can add to it with personal experience, uh, if you guys let me, is the fact of experiencing something very uh, traumatic in the sense of when um, one of my teammates actually collapsed on the pitch. And it changed my attitude and my mentality in life. You know, coming from England, it's great. We love the game of football. We're very passionate about it, as a lot of people do. But when you witness one of your teammates collapse on the pitch, and I'm talking about the incident with Fabrice Mwamba, it puts it in a completely different perspective. And I think as much as I love the game, I always spread a lot of love to people to understand and young players that I ever come across, giving them advice, enjoy the game, enjoy the moment and enjoy every day because every day is a blessing. As much as we love football, we prioritize football. Every day is still a blessing in this world. And any time, any given time, any circumstances, someone you love or you yourself could go. So you've got to enjoy it and embrace it. And we've lost some great people within the game. And I think my biggest thing that I like is when people talk about how great footballers are, like beyond them just being a footballer, it's the human being aspect of it. And I think you and I in a very similar in that, that we really love good people because it's easy to be competitive, to be a winner, but you can still be a good people. You don't have to be an a-hole to succeed. And Viali, I think signifies that. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and well said, Nigel. Uh, good people are hard yeah. to find in this world nowadays. And I think uh, we all love our jobs because we're working around good people. And that's why we love it more. Um, real quickly, I'd never had an opportunity because of my travels to obviously make some sort of tribute to the great Pelé. Um, I just want to show you a picture, guys. Um, I hope you don't mind me doing so before we do go to break because I know producer Des is ready for it. Uh, this was a gift my father gave me. And I know you guys have uh, probably seen this, but this is my father with... Um, Eusebio and Pele signed by both of them as well obviously both of them sadly gone this is my father playing against the great Pele as well back in the day against the New York Cosmos and um, both of them signed just just absolutely um, legendary gift for me I never got to see obviously Pele playing live um, or even Maradona playing live which uh, tells you uh, you know obviously something about our age 
Um, but just unbelievable um, to, to see these great names that we have sadly lost. And as you mentioned, great human beings also and, and such impact figures around the world, around the beautiful game and very, very important to the younger generation, including our generation who learned from these greats that we have sadly lost. So um, I will have to go to break right now, unfortunately. Uh, it's a sad way to go to break, but we will take a quick break. We've got more reaction from the boys when we return, including many an FA Cup upset to discuss right here on House of Champions. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hey, don't miss out on any of this area action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all the answers and stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with promo code Serie A. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Let's get into the discussion. Guys, uh, first and foremost, just checking in, making sure there's no annoying noises in the background anymore. <laughs> name names, Ian. Name Don't names. know what you mean. Don't know what you mean. No, what happened, happened ladies and gentlemen, for all people listening, what happened is Michael's missus was trying to sneak in to give him more notes <laughs> to make him knowledgeable. Yeah, she I, should, I, I knew I, I should have never that What's all that noise? But anyway. I should have never brought that up. I should never brought that up. You should have never told us your missus told you who to look out for. Some great comments already uh, coming into the show. Obviously, I want to keep them coming as much as you possibly can. So get involved in the show as much as you possibly can. House of Champions is your show. Uh, we are here, obviously, to provide the analysis and uh, join in with a bit of comedy as well, like we always love to do. And uh, we're turning our attention to La Liga now. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona just recently finished. It was a fantastic fantastic game without much action in front of goal. Uh, Usman Dembele getting the only goal 22 minutes into the game. Top work coming in from Pedri with his class run, world-class run mm -hmm. through that midfield. Javi with the assist. Potential foul on the call as well, Michael LaHood. Um, but this is a big victory for Barcelona. Atletico Madrid didn't seem like they were at the races in the first 45 minutes. Time and time again, they kept on giving an opportunity to Barcelona to get that opening goal. Eventually the goal came, but at the end of the day, they managed to shut out Atleti and get that three points. And they did so without their talisman and their leading goal scorer, Robert Lewandowski. He's facing this first of three matches, three-match ban, because he didn't face it the last match in the rivalry game at home. But this was a statement game for Barcelona. Madrid, who we'll, we'll touch on, didn't get the job done, and they had to get, the re get a result to really give themselves that distance and really see what life with Lewandowski was really like. And I think they answered the bell well. 
This was a game about getting a result. It wasn't about playing the tiki-taka, amazing style. Yes, the goal, Pedri, and, and Pedri's goal, the weaving run, comes from Koke taking a playoff. Koke stops playing. He stops running. Griezmann could have tackled him. Koke could have tackled him. Excellent, excellent execution from both Pedri, Gavi, and ultimately Dembele to get the goal and give Barcelona the three points. To Stegen, he deserves plaudits as well. Yes, you get the goals at the front, but this athletic team, they do have some players, Joao Felix, Anton Griezmann, who have been in form since coming back from the World Cup, and to get the shutout as well as the goal and the three points, complete day for Barcelona and deserved winners in the end. We are such an amazing pod, honestly. Who who can not listen to us and not like us? Only miserable people can do that. Right? <laughs> great analysis by Michael. Lehoud. No, honestly, I'm being serious. Michael gives great analysis, and I'm not going to repeat what Michael said because he's 100% right. My overall uh, opinion of the game is this. I feel that for me, yes, Barcelona show they can keep, they can cope without their talisman, but I still feel it was a great, interesting game, Michael. I really do. I I disagree with Ian. I feel that there was goal mouth action. It was just some great defending at times and uh, players not being able to be clinical enough, but I felt it was a very open game and I would say, just to make our producer Des happy, I thought we saw a little glimpse <laughs> of the old Atleti, in my honest opinion. Like, this th- this looked like a real energised Atleti, especially more so in the second half. A lot more about themselves, a lot more character and determination. And I felt that when they did play that high press, played on the front foot, Barcelona struggled to get out. Barcelona mm-hmm. found it difficult. And most of the chances that Barcelona got in that second half were some harsh clearances and Atletico were very unlucky not to get an equalizer by a goal line clearance by, from uh, Griezmann's, Griezmann's chance. But honestly, I felt that it was a real good game of football. And um, if I was an Atleti fan, I would take positivity out of it. I would take some positive out of that game because if they can perform like that, they can definitely cause some problems and maybe climb up that table as the league progress, progresses in this second season. I think at the end of the day, you have to give credit, as Michael pointed out, to the goalkeeper, Ter Stegen. If I'm not mistaken, it's 12 clean sheets for him in La Liga this campaign from, what, 15, 16 games? Uh, Quite incredible. And I think he had 11 clean sheets all of last season. So to have done it already, not even halfway through the season, is quite the achievement. But you'd have to point out, Michael, that there were some dreadful misses from Atleti in front of goal. They had opportunity to obviously score goals. They created some good chances. I get you. I hear you, Nigel. But they just didn't finish. They couldn't finish. And for whatever reason, I mean, maybe after this winter break and uh, a long, obviously, winter with the World Cup as well for many a player, there were some big chances missed. I agree with you. And it's disappointing. And I think I'd let you be very disappointed. I think when you're a team that sits back and bunkers in, when you give up that goal and it comes really in a way that it's a sloppy defending, great run and great execution from uh, Pedri and ultimately Dembele, but it was really poor defending down the spine of your team. It's it's a sucker punch. And when it happens, when it does, you have to regroup yourself. And I think there's a mentality that you have to have. And really in a big game like this, just that focus wasn't there. That, that, that final move and the final action was not there. And this is a group though, a group of players that do have the skill set that do have the experience that I expect them to rebound because they will get another sniff against a top four team, but just opportunity missed to get back in the top four. By the way, um, just to point out here, Antoine Griezmann's hair is absolutely dreadful. 
just to point that out there. I'm not sure what he's thinking. I know he's super tired in the branding. Yeah. I listen, I, I I respect anyone who's trying to grow their brand 100%. I think it's pretty cool. He does what he wants. I don't. But, but I'm a for human me, being. You know, if, if I if I'd have got in a locker room and I seen a player like that, I'd have gone absolutely nuts. I probably would have shaved it off right there myself. Real quickly, Nigel, I want to come to you quickly on the red cards that were handed out at the end of the game. Savage is such an asshole, man. He is an <laughs> asshole I kind of like because he just went absolutely nuts on Ferran Torres. Both players picking up a red card. Credit to Torres for battling back. But I mean, did they really need to produce two red cards for that? I mean, they had a little tussle beforehand, isn't it? In, in the box when they were kind of like trying to play wrestling, but no one wanted to, to be pinned down. Um, it's just It just shows the magnitude of the game. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'm honest. I'm for it. And it, what more did you really expect, Ian, from an Atletico Madrid side managed by Diego Simeone? What do you expect from his players? You have to be a certain type of way. And when they try and use that bullying tactics, credit to Torres for standing up and saying, you're not going to bully me. Um, it's what we expect. It's a big game. There was a lot behind it. There was a lot at stake. And both players and both sets of players were very committed to the cause. Yeah, you say that. But then Antoine Griezmann <laughs> rolls in with pink hairs to the locker room. So thank you very much for your comments. With the performances that he showed at the World Cup, he could do what he wants. And I'm telling you, he's taking his World Cup form to this athletic team now. They seem to have let the shackles off on Griezmann and also Felix. They're playing oh, in the mm-hmm. very similar form that they played in the World Cup. And I think Simeone deserves a bit of credit now to let these guys go and express themselves. And that's why they're actually looking a bit better. A It'll bit be interesting to see. Better. Interesting to see how long that lasts, though, Nigel, when it comes yeah. to that. Because at the end of the day, he's about getting results. And they mm. lost this game to Barcelona. They did miss their opportunities. And eventually, they're going to have to get results. Producer Dez really upset with the fact that Atleti <laughs> lost again today. Uh, Michael, let's go to Real Madrid against Villarreal. Yeah. Villarreal getting the massive three points here for the first time in Liga history. Real Madrid started a side without a Spanish player in their starting 11. Uh, Jeremy Pino opened the score in 47 minutes on the clock. Karim Benzema equalized 60 minutes on the clock from penalty spot, as did Gerard Moreno three minutes later from the penalty spot. Uh, since July 2020, Gerard Moreno has a 93% of penalty conversion Oof. in La Liga. He scored 13 out of 14. Only one player has scored more. I forget which player that was. Um, I believe it's 11 out of 11 record just so you know however Real Madrid dropping points it was an interesting game as far as the controversial decisions for the penalty kick uh three points justified though for Villarreal at the end of the day uh, absolutely they were the better team they were more physical they had uh, the right intensity and from the first whistle they were all over Madrid when you look at the stats they outshot Madrid more shots on goals but it was the duels the duels won. Kamavinga had a game to forget. True many, a ghost in the middle of the park. We lauded him at the World Cup, and maybe it's some of the fatigue when you make it to a World Cup final starting to show. I didn't. I, I thought Madrid's midfield didn't do well in transition. Villarreal, they were like a coiled-up spring. They soaked up pressure, and when they hit on the counter, the difference in the counterattack and in the final third was Gerard Moreno. This guy was class. Madrid didn't have an answer for him. He ran the show for Villarreal, and it showed in the press box or in the box score and the final score. Now, I never, ever will criticize our producer, Des, but why does he have the graphic and it says Real Madrid 2 and Villarreal 1 up on the screen? Or is it just my eyes? I never criticize our producer, Des, because we love him to bits, but... Big, big is that him quietly Real. saying that he's a Real Madrid fan and not an Atleti fan? Is that what you think? <laughs> I, I, probably. But no, I, I think it's it's a massive win for Villarreal and, and Real Madrid have dropped points, some big, big points. And I would say again now the emphasis really is on Barcelona. Barcelona really have the league title in their hands. 
And um, let's just see how Real Madrid can regroup about it. There's a lot going on there with that club because of all the players they lost for the World Cup. We said we're not really going to see the effects of the World Cup for another week or two, really and truly. It might take a while to get back into rhythm. Um, can you see Barcelona really going undefeated for the rest of the season, Michael, Ian? Oh my Oof. Uh, no, um, <laughs> it's really hard to do, especially given how, yes, they got the three points, but on any other day, Atleti could have gotten a draw from this game and probably should have gotten more from this game. I think when I look at Real Madrid, though, their schedule coming up is not easy. They got Valencia, they got Villarreal again in Copa del Rey, and who else? They got Athletic Club. I mean, they're, they're playing the top portion of La Liga clubs with an unconvincing performance from this past this last match. Carlo Ancelotti, though, he is the player whisperer, and I expect him to get this crew and this team back in line. The player who I thought did not have his best game in front of goal in the match, Vinicius Jr. It just wouldn't work for him. He would take an extra touch going to the end line. It looked like the Vinicius Jr. in his first year at Real Madrid, not the one from last year and a lot of this year. Well, Mike, how much of recent um, news or recent off-the-pitch things do you think plays a part in his performance right now with everything that's going on with him? I, I think part of it does, but he's been producing even with some of the stuff and some of the baggage that he's been carrying with the racial abuse. And he's he's a human being, first and foremost. But it, it just looked like he was, he was probably being a bit too selfish in the final third in ways that I hadn't seen him do in previous games. When you have a player like Kareem Benzema, that telepathic connection we saw last year, you knew when it got in the final third, Benzema would be the one to get the ball and either play Vinicius in or do a one-two combine or take the shot for himself. And it looked like every time Vinicius got the ball, he tried to go at it alone. It was as if he was playing for himself, which was uncharacteristic for a player of his stature. Yeah, what's up with the comments right now? Comments seem to be shut off right now. Come on, people, join in the conversation. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your grandmother to join in the conversation as well, please. Uh, we like to hear from you. This is your show, so join in the conversation. Don't just sit there, relax, and enjoy us with a drink in your hand. We want to hear from you as well. This is your show. Let's turn our attention to the FA Cup. It was um, many an upset in this competition. It was always my dream at some stage to play in the FA Cup. I managed to get on the bench one stage, believe it or not. I didn't get on the pitch. I was pretty pissed off about that but at the same time the FA Cup has kind of lost its twinkle of recent years it started to pick that twinkle back up again I've really enjoyed watching the FA Cup this weekend and I especially enjoyed watching Manchester City absolutely hammer Chelsea <laughs> today let's get into it Nigel um, another convincing performance both changed teams from both sides um, as you would expect because of the, the the crazy schedule many players have gone through but Chelsea, we have to discuss what is going on with them right now. They are looking pretty awful. Chelsea is a mess, Ian. An absolute mess. And I think they're probably one of the hardest teams to watch play football in Europe. They're an absolute shambles. Mm. For me, I'm not going to go into like a, a big Chelsea round or anything like that. I think the evidence is there. I don't feel that these players are playing for Graham Potter. Um, Graham Potter is under pressure. I can't understand how people would say, oh, you know, you've got to give him time. No, you have to understand that when you take a job like Chelsea, with the recent success that they've had, they've always been a sacking club. They've always been a club that I felt that modelled themselves on Real Madrid. It worked. Fans don't care as long as Chelsea are winning the Premier League or winning Champions League and competing. That's what is expected at Chelsea. For me, the sad thing is I look at Potter playing some of these youngsters, giving them a great opportunity, which is great. 
But then you look at the recruiting and it's whether these youngsters have an opportunity or chance. It's Potter saying that basically most of these senior players are not playing for him, that now he has to play younger players. And I understand, yes, there is injuries going through the club right now. But your boy today, Ian Havats, was absolutely <laughs> diabolical. He was My shocking. Boy. He did not try an <laughs> arm or a leg. He seems so disinterested completely. No, he tried an arm. He tried an arm. Don't he did try an arm. He did get a fist. Yeah, I think he, he felt he was playing in goal for a minute. But I'm not going to go too deep into it. We can go into so much. But I think for me, the direction the club is going right now is scaring. It's worrying for Chelsea fans. The recruiting, I don't see a plan or an identity. I personally don't believe Graham Potter has been involved in the recruiting of these players. And I feel now that some of these players are starting to play like they don't believe in Graham Potter. And my last point is, you're in problems as a football club when your best player is 37 or 38-year-old centre-back Thiago Silva. And that is your best player at your football club. You're in serious problems. Yeah, quick stat here before I let you jump in here, Michael. Uh, Chelsea were trailing by three-plus goals at halftime for the second time under Mm. Graham Potter, also trailed against Brighton. Uh, So today, that was his 18th game in charge. They never trailed by three-plus goals at halftime in 100 games under predecessor Thomas Tuchel. The fans, I don't know if you saw it on social media, were calling Thomas Tuchel's (laughs) name in the stands. We've got a few comments coming in as well. Potter is like Moyes at Manchester United. It will never work, says Matt. Krishna jumps in. Great to hear from you as well, Krishna. Um, As a Chelsea fan, it is brutal, but I do think this is a mess that has been delayed. It Mm. is a squad that has no through line or third line and instead has been poor. I mean, Kovacic, Jorginho, Koulibaly, Havertz, Mount, and so many more have just been poor. Michael Hood, take it away. Yeah, this was coming. (laughs) It really paints what Thomas Tuchel did last year, miracle worker. When your owner of your club gets run out of the country, gets run out of the league, these are the domino effects that start happening. And, and, And really... Pingers should be pointed at Todd Bowley for the rash decision. I think it was a rash decision to sack Thomas Tuchel when he did. And it's all showing. It all it all shows in the sand. It all shows in the rough. At the end of the day, it was always going to be difficult. And there's a reason why Man City got rid of Raheem Sterling and said, okay, here's the price tag for him. And it has no reflection on just the player. But they purposely said, okay, we'll, sell, we'll take you to Chelsea. Or you can take him to Chelsea. This, this is just a, it's a dumpster fire at the end of the day. And I think this is more reminiscent of one of their previous seasons where they were lingering in the mid tables. They sacked their manager Mourinho and the rest of the season was just a wash. I think the rest Mm -hmm. of the season will be a wash. The FA cup was their one just saving grace. They also have the champions league. We know that, but it also begs the question, how the hell do they get through their group stages in the champions league playing like this? Yeah, real quickly. Nigel, before you jump in, hold on. I want to just say this. Pep Guardiola, after that game, had said that you have to give someone like um, Potter time. Is that the way to go forward here? I mean, it makes no sense to fire him at this point here. How do you correct this? Pep's just being nice. You can clearly see. Ian, you can see it yourself. Players who performed in that game today, they're not playing for the manager. They're, They're absolutely embarrassing. And let's be real about this. These players have long contracts, not their doing. It's the club and how they operate and new owners operate. How do you sign a centre-back and give him a seven-and-a-half-year contract? Seven-and-a-half-year contract. And he's not going to be on little money. He's comfortable. He's in the luxury. He's in London. It's the lifestyle. It's I play for Chelsea. Chelsea's on your resume. From Chelsea, they can go to so many other options again. 
and be financially best. Abamyang, he's another one. I like Abamyang, but for me, he has not performed. And every time I watch him play for Chelsea, he's playing like a player that is just so unbothered. These type of deals that these clubs have done are not easy to get out of. They're very difficult. So for me, the only way you can get that dressing room back or turn things around is if you bring a manager that these players can respect. And I'm talking a big-time manager who probably installed discipline and let it out there. Graham Potter Zidane? A, Zidane. Thank you. You bring in Zidane, all these players will have to perk up and listen. And at the end of the day, at times, I think you and have to... And they start playing. And they'll start playing. Because but for you, me right now, I don't see these players playing for Graham Potter. It was embarrassing today how Man City embarrassed Chelsea. Yeah, but that's nice question for you. You think Zinedine Zidane, or manager of that caliber, is looking at Chelsea under Todd Bowley and how the things no, are run with this consortium and I, thinking, I, you know what? I love London. Listen, I want to suffer with Chelsea colors. I'll be honest with you, Michael. I, I think Graham Potter is a great coach. I just think this Chelsea thing right now is too early for him because he's got to deal with a lot of personality. And I think the ownership group does not help this football club. They're, being, they're going for Fernandez. At Benfica, please tell me where he's going to fit in this Chelsea team. How are they going to use him? You know, they're going for players that have had great World Cups that everyone's talking to. Chelsea being linked with everyone and anyone without no real direction or plan. Chelsea are going to be like what Manchester United have been for the past couple of years. Just an absolute mess in signings until they get the right manager in place and the right system in place. For me, the ownership, Todd Bowley wants too much involvement in a sport that he knows nothing about. All right, we got to move on because we're running out of time here. Eight Premier League clubs have been knocked out of the 22-23 FA Cup third round. This is the most top flight sides to go out at this stage since 2007-2008, which of course was nine. Uh, here are some of the results here. Sheffield Wednesday 2, Newcastle 1, Shocker League 1 side knocked out. Third place Premier League team, Newcastle. Nice one for Darren Moore. Only two teams have beaten Newcastle this season. That was Liverpool and now Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Liverpool 2-2 uh, against Wolves. Cody Gakpo makes his debut for Liverpool. Wolves were pretty good on the day. Allison uh, certainly making mistakes that proved to be costly at the end of the day. Coventry 3, Wrexham 4, the National League side knocking out the championship team to qualify for the fourth round for the first time since 2000. Nice to see from Wrexham. Um, should we start calling them FC Hollywood sometime soon as well? <laughs> Blackpool 4, Nottingham Forest 1. Blackpool's first win in nine games came against a Premier League opposition. Wow, just wow. But that is not the best. Nigel Rio Coker, we're coming for you. Aston Villa 1, Stevenage 2, <laughs> League 2 side oh, beating Villa at the end of the day. Apparently, no one knows how to mark on a corner kick, but mm. that's not the funniest point of this. The tweet at the end of the game, Nigel Rio Coker, was absolutely terrific, man. That's the beauty of the FA Cup right now. That is the beauty of the FA Cup, and I think some people feel <laughs> offensive to Philip Coutinho, but the reality of it is it's true. I'm sorry. He's, he came in, he was fantastic before he signed that contract. Once he signed that contract, he has gone absolutely missing. I think that we've, we've had to actually look for him, whether he's living in a cave or under a rock somewhere. No doubt on his talent, but he's just not trying to, an, an arm or a leg. And I did mention it on a few media stuff that I did. You, I was worried that he would be another Mizzle Ozil at Arsenal. And that's what Aston Villa have got now. I think that loss for Aston Villa, for me, shows what Unai Emre needs. And I think for the ones above Unai Emre, the decision makers at the club, they're going to have to be able to look at that loss, which is a big, big loss because Villa wanted to do well in the competition, especially the FA Cup, and look to say they need to recruit some good players. They need to strengthen that squad really well if they're going to compete with the likes of Newcastle and uh, the other teams above them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this was an amazing weekend with some of the FA Cup matches. And the, the one that I had my eyes on was Liverpool Wolves. What Lopetegui is doing with Wolves, he's finally getting some of these talented players to believe in something and to fit in positions that maybe they weren't being used in the right ways collectively. I mean, Mateus Nunez, this guy's a he's a player. He's an absolute player. And the other Nunez, Darwin Nunez, looked like a player again, scored a goal. Who would have thunk? We haven't said that in a Mike, while. Mike, did you see the goal? Hey, it was a good goal. He didn't mean to do oh it, but it was still a good finish. Meet, yeah, he did, oh, you just said it. he didn't mean to do it, but it's a good goal. <laughs> Man, the, the run was excellent. <laughs> this guy's been at a low in terms of confidence in front of goal. I, I just go finish. back. I just go back to some of the rules with the FA Cup. I know there's no VAR, but I would have loved to see VAR implemented on the goal that got called back from Wolves. Wolves did well. The match was at Anfield. Wolves did well, not just to take the lead, but to claw their way back and get a goal that I think should have stood. But I would love yes. to see the VAR because I think when Nunez makes the run and loops it back in, I think he was on. I think Liverpool well, got away with murder on that. Yeah, it was the corner taker they're saying was offside from initially when the ball came back to him. So he came back from an offside position, but they couldn't show it because of the camera angle. Yeah. No, they did so, show it though later on. They did show it later they on. They did show it later on at the end, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was the the corner taker. It was the short corner put back to him, then the offside. He came and that's, off, yeah. that's that's obviously what's frustrating. But you know, when you don't see it, and this is what's a problem for people who are in attendance in the stadium. When you don't get to see what the officials are seeing, you have no idea what's happening. You're just there wondering, and then you go home and you're still wondering what the hell just happened in the game. And um, but at the end of the day, the FA Cup um did not disappoint. It's absolutely fantastic to see lower league opposition knocking out some of these big boys. I absolutely love it as well. The fourth round draw is completely set pretty much uh, at this moment in time. It has been made already. There are some cracking fixtures to look forward to. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion um against uh, Liverpool or Wolves will be one that certainly catches our attention. I do like the Fulham against Sunderland one as well. That one caught my attention. Ipswich yeah, against Burnley. Burnley are doing well. Big one for them against Bournemouth. Manchester United against Reading. Uh, got a smile on Michael Hood's face there. And Wrexham get a reward as a home tie against Sheffield United. So hmm. some big fixtures. Anything, uh, Nigel, that catches your attention? Ian, Ian and Michael, there's only one fixture that makes this FA Cup fantastic. The potential of Manchester hmm. City playing Arsenal. And the reason yeah. why I picked that tie is because... That's another two of the big teams coming out of this FA Cup, which makes it really valuable and great, how do I say, um, great <laughs> opportunity for the lower league clubs and the grassroots clubs to really make something happen. I think that's the game where one of those two can knock each other out. We've already seen how many Premier League clubs leave. This is the magic of the FA Cup. That's what we want to see. Mike? Uh, I'm going Brighton versus the winner of Liverpool Wolves. Another I think one. you could see some almost auditions for some of these players for future transfers to clubs like Liverpool because Liverpool do need the reinforcements. You talk about McAllister. Just say the name. <laughs> of course I'm saying McAllister. Or Caicedo. Just say the name. They should, they you, know buy who, you know who. You can't say that now. It's not McAllister. It's Mac. Alistair, okay? Just get it right, please, everybody <laughs> out there. Um, I'm surprised that none of you brought to attention Darren Moorside, Sheffield Wednesday, who did knock out Newcastle. Listen. They got rewarded with an excellent fixture against Fleetwood Town. Nigel. Moore is a top guy, one of the great guys of football, and if you ever got to meet him or work with him, he's a top, top guy. I worked with him. I played against him. I remember when playing against him, I was scared as hell. He was an absolute beast of a centre-back. He's a big boy, huh? He's a, he's a really big boy. But as a human being, one of the nicest guys ever. Top guy, happy for him. And happy for Sheffield Wednesday, great historic English club that's just been struggling for many years recently.
Well, the fourth round is scheduled to be played between Friday the 27th of January and Monday the 30th of January. Look forward to the shows around those dates. Before we go, we've obviously been discussing um, our shows that are coming up. We look forward to speaking with uh, Fabrizio Romano, 9 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, we have a great show surrounding him as well. A lot of questions uh, regarding the transfers, but also um, some coaches around. We've discussed Zidane already. Uh, Michael Hood, uh, we're interested to hear your comments about him apparently saying no to the United States of America, among other national teams as well. Um, but also to remind her that we did have an interview that is up on our YouTube page right now with Brighton CEO Paul Barber. Um, very, very good interview. You've listened to it already. If you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to it on House of Champions YouTube page. It is absolutely fantastic. Boys, before we go, any more comments? Nigel, we're trying to get to an hour here, so we've got seven minutes for your comment. Anything from you? <laughs> I'm not doing that because Des has already got the, the hump. Des wants to go F off and go and have a pint of Guinness or something. I just want to laugh at... Uh, the fact that Zidane looked at the USA thing and said he doesn't want to get involved in that entanglement. <laughs> Michael, uh, apparently he was a little bit worried that um, you know, <laughs> Arena and family had something oh, on him. Yeah. I just want to move. Oh, I'm glad that this is news. At least we can talk about something other than soccer moms, families getting involved in national teams. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the Zidane stick. Bring it on. I'll just take the take it by the, the, the heap. I'll just bring it on me. All right, we'll discuss it a little bit more with Fabrizio Romano tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern on House of Champions. You can join us live on YouTube. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Thank you so much for listening, of course, and watching to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Happy New Year. It's great to see you both. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.